Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning. How are you? And hope you're having a good week. I have been having a stellar week doing interviews all day with some really incredible people. I cannot wait for you to, to get some of these episodes that are coming out. Today is, uh, it's kind of a dream come true. Today I have a guest that is really, he's been a friend of mine since 2005. So, I mean, shoot, we're coming up on 15 years, a decade and a half. We were in Tony Robbins Platinum Partnership Program together. Tony's an elite mastermind mentoring program. We travel the world together. Um, he and his wonderful wife, Heather, were in this program. And ever since, it's like, you know, I've been doing my thing and, and kind of skyrocketing in different directions. He's been doing his own thing, skyrocketing in his directions. And we've always stayed in touch over the years. And I'm so, so excited to bring someone who, in my opinion, my opinion, this guy is really one of the foremost brilliant business minds of this generation. He just, he has a very small and very high caliber client list where he works with kind of the chosen industry giants and, and takes their business and just skyrockets like crazy. Um, and we're bringing up, I'm going to brainstorm and, and pick his brain for all of us as well. My guest is Charles Gaudet, the author of Predictable Profits Playbook, the Entrepreneur's Guide to Dominating Any Market and Staying on Top. Now, his book was voted number one book on sales and marketing by Indie Excellence. He's been an entrepreneur since age four. Can't wait to find out that story. He created his first multi-million dollar business at 24. So he beat me by a year. <clears throat> that's all right. That's okay. Uh, you know, if you don't have anyone to compare yourself that's better than you, you're in too small of a room. So good job. He's also helped others generate millions with his strategies. He's received numerous awards and recognition, uh, including things like the, uh, founding a company named as one of the best seed stage companies by Ernst & Young. He's had his business advice featured around the world in places like Inc., Forbes, Fox Business, Entrepreneur Success Magazine, uh, featured by Salesforce on their website, all over podcast, radio, and every media outlet you can imagine. And he was named as one of American, the, uh, of American Genius's top 50 industry influencers. He's trained in Brazilian jiu-jitsu with two gold medal finishes. I want to talk about that. A three-time wrestling state champion. And he lives in beautiful New Hampshire with his wife, Heather, and their three adorable kidpreneurs <laughs> and one badass dog. Charles, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Yeah, you know, I'm telling you, I think I'm going to bring you with me everywhere I go because uh, I'm completely humbled and flattered by that intro. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. I love it. Like I always say on stage, you know, when someone reads my intro, hey, I wrote it, but you read it. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I can go right in front of you every time you walk into a room. Dude, how are you, man? I've, we've been connecting a bunch over the last few months more than before. And then it finally struck me. I'm like, I got to get you on the show. And we found time in your schedule. And I so appreciate you uh, making it happen. Well, uh, uh, everything's going great, man. And uh, it's really an honor to be here. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, I want to kind of jump in with you. So I said in the intro, and I wasn't kidding, you're what to me, one of the, the genius business minds of this generation. You said you started as an entrepreneur at four. So tell me, what were you like as a kid? Did you always have the gene? Or is there something in your environment or a person in your life that you kind of learned it from? Or, you know, like, how did you grow up? And what was the environment like that allowed this entrepreneur spirit to form? You know, 
Um, there's a saying, uh, as you know, Matt, that people do things out of inspiration or desperation. And at four years old, uh, for me, even at four years old, it was a little bit more out of desperation. And uh, the reason for that was because my dad, he was a, a business owner. Now, he, growing up as a kid, um, you know, my, my parents grew up poor. Eventually, they ended up doing really, really well. Um, but uh, growing up as a kid, you know, they struggled. And so uh, my dad worked every waking hour of every day. And he'd get up in the morning before I got up out of bed. He'd come home after I was already in bed and he worked seven days a week. So I really didn't see him much. But and What kind of work did he do? Uh, he was in real estate development, uh, like uh, real estate development, construction, and so forth. So and he so, was just uh, like, you know, long, long days, didn't see him at all. Yeah. And, and when he came home and I did see him, I, when he had a good day, he'd say, kid, if you ever want to make it of yourself, you got to be an entrepreneur. And when he had bad days, he said, kid, let me tell you something. Employees suck. Don't ever become an employee. Now, I don't agree with his second statement. But what that did do is that actually, um, when I wanted to connect with my dad, it was like, I got to be a business owner. And so I, I started my own business at four. My dad was super proud of me, and that was my way of connecting with him. And so that's what gave me the bug to be a business owner was that I got that connection to my dad. What was the first business? So mine, people have already heard my stories before, so I won't bore you with it, but mine was selling skateboard wheels on the corner of our cul-de-sac. I think I sold four wheels for a dollar, and I maybe made two bucks that whole summer. <laughs> what was your first business at four? What the heck? So I actually drew artwork, like, and it, I mean, more or less it was scribbles, right? But I, I drew artwork and then I sold it to my neighbors, went door to door and said, you know, would you buy this for, I think it was like 25 cents, 50 cents, something like that. And because I was a four-year-old kid, you know, cute little kid, everybody said yes, except for one woman. Um, and you'll was, never forget. I'll never forget. And you know what? Here's Why did she thing. say no? Any idea? She said to me, she goes, Charlie, I gotta be, I gotta be honest. Is this your best work? And I looked at it and I'm like, not really. And she says, Charlie, you're asking me to pay. It was like 25 or 50 cents for something that's not even your best work. To me, that looks like scribbles. Wouldn't you agree? And I'm like, yeah. And she said, I'll buy from you, but I'm only going to give you one or two cents. Because it's not worth fifty cents. Wow, it's only worth a what a lesson! I, honestly, that stung so much that here I am in my forties, and I still remember that lesson from when I was four. And it was one of the best business lessons that I've had to date. Because so, too often we think that when we come. It's too often. I think we have this mindset of it's all about the money. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. But then what Mrs. Hersey taught me was that, no, you get paid in direct proportion of the value that, that you bring others. I think we just put that on a bumper sticker. Right. Right. You get paid in direct proportion to the value. How'd you say that? You get paid in direct proportion to the value that you bring others. I love that to the value you bring others. Guys, write that down. I'm going to put that on Instagram uh, and tag Charles in it once this episode drops. I love that. So did you, was that like your first business? Did, ever since then, did you like continue hustling after the entrepreneur dream or did you 
go down a route where maybe you thought you were going to do something corporate or something else? Did you have a sports dream? And then did you come back around to it? Or have you always, did you have more and more stories like that? Do stuff in high school? You know, how, how did you get into kind of your first real company, so to speak? So I've always had my own business. Now, they weren't necessarily sophisticated businesses. I mean, yeah, I did landscaping for a long time and, you know, kind of dabbled in this and that. Um, but where I guess I really had my my real business was I graduated from Babson, which has you know, been voted as number one school in entrepreneurship for decades. And I was, at the time, many years ago, even though it was voted high in entrepreneurship, there was only a couple of us that actually graduated having our own business. And one of them was me. And uh, I decided at the time that uh, I started in consulting and almost immediately pivoted and um, founded one of the first pet health insurance companies. That's right. I do know this story. Yeah. I remember talking to you, I think we were in Fiji probably like 2006 or something. And you're like, yeah, we had a pet health company. I'm like, what the heck is that? But, <laughs> so you're, you're doing pet health insurance, essentially, yeah. or des- describe that. Actually, d- do this. I, th- I think we get the idea. Like we have health insurance for us, health insurance for your pet, right? Yeah, exactly. Describe the kind of the germination of that idea. Where did the idea come from? And how did you take it from like, ooh, that's a cool concept that you're, you know, over a meal, you think about it. How did you take that from like, that's a cool idea to let's actually build this and make money from it? Because that to me, your, your thought process is much more interesting than the concept itself. Because concepts truly, I mean, when you tap into that thought process, you can always come up with a new concept. Can you not? Sure. No, I, I agree. Um, I, and I think that's why if you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, you look at a guy like Elon Musk, you know, he's right. done a few different businesses. There's nothing really similar about, you know, PayPal and uh, and SpaceX or Tesla, they're totally, you know, different businesses, but he's been successful. But it's, it's and, the mindset. So talk about that, that mindset where you were, cause you're young at this point where 22 or something, or how old are you? I was your pet company. Uh, I would have been, uh, yeah, about, about 21, 22, somewhere around there. Um, so how, so how where did the idea come from? And then how did you take the idea into a business? So my future father-in-law is the one that said, you know, Hey, I, I, have this idea. I think it sounds really great. And I did too. I'm like, wow, you know, as a being a guy who's owned dogs all my life, I thought that was a phenomenal idea. So I, that's why I did a complete about face and, and pivoted to go all in on that. Now, initially what I, what I had to do is do a little research to see, you know, what kind of demand exists? Um, is there competition in the space? Cause I'll tell you a lot of people think that competition is a bad thing, but if there's nobody around <laughs> doing like that becomes a real issue. I actually would much rather have competition around me and try to see, okay, what's my competition doing? How can I, how can I make it better? Where have they failed? Um, that is, is a much better way to get started um, than it is to say, I want to enter a market where nobody is doing anything of the same. I mean, very uh, what, often, would you say like, if there's no competition, that's a good sign that there's no demand potentially for this thing, or it's a bad idea. Not always, but pretty often, right? Yeah, I would say pretty often. It's going to be, especially nowadays, um, you know, if there's no competition, that's almost always a red flag for us. We did a case study years ago. And if you notice on every street corner where there's McDonald's, sure enough, close nearby is going to be a Burger King. And what they realized is that 
wherever there was one major fast food restaurant, when another one came in next door, both of them did better than just one on their own. Oh, wow. So business yeah. picked up because now people didn't just go, oh, I want to go to McDonald's. They went, oh, that's where food is. And they'd go there more frequently or more yeah. people would show up in that corner now. Yeah, you have, you have, you have both companies marketing for traffic and then they got you know, one plus one equals three in this case. And they just oh, start wow. bringing in more and more traffic and they, you know, they chose the, the, the restaurant that they, that they wanted. And, you know, the same thing. I mean, you know, so I'm a, I'm a business coach and there's a, a million other business coaches and stuff like that out there, but we've found ways to position ourselves differently than everybody else. And it's great because there are some other business coaches, great ones that are promoting the benefits of why business coaching is going to help them get to their next level. And they inadvertently help me just like I inadvertently help them. And, you know, so it's, uh, it's a good thing. Comp competition is great, especially when you have an abundance mindset. That's interesting. See, like I, I use the, the metaphor a lot. You know, if I was selling cars, I'd much rather sell cars like in now or the 1960s versus when they were first coming out right? Before everyone had a car, before anyone even knew what it was, you're trying to educate, it would be really hard to sell a Ford, you know? But the more competition there is, now everyone needs a car, maybe two. And, you know, they already know they need it. Now it's just a question of how do you stand out? Uh, I love that. So what, what was the competition like in the pet health insurance? Did it exist or did you break your own rules? So there was one competitor and that competitor was growing and making some traction. So that told me, all right, so here's one guy, he's making some traction. He's doing fairly well. Um, that was enough for me to say, all right, we're going all in. We started working on conceptually designing a business plan because this was really foreign. Most of the time I don't do business plans, but this, because there's so many moving parts and it's so, you know, complicated, we needed to, to do this. And um, I live by the motto of together we're better. And I don't believe that any man is an island. And so I'm always trying to surround myself with some of the smartest people that I know. And we recruited an executive vice president of uh, one of the world's largest insurance companies. We recruited the number one life insurance salesperson in the United States. Uh, we brought in a president of, a, of another successful agency. Um, I actually went to one of my professors, a gentleman that I, I truly had uh, adore and adored. He's still a great guy. Um, went to him and I said, look, I understand that there's some holes in my expertise. Could I invite you to come in as a founding partner? He loved the idea. He came in as a founding partner. And so here I am. I had 11 people on my team, all of which brought different expertise. And um, then we went on from there and you know, we built something that Ernst & Young nominated us as it's having one of the nation's best seed stage companies. Another company called Venture One selected us as such. I mean, I found my name in so many different uh, newspapers around the world. I couldn't read some of them because they were in a totally other language. Wow, what an incredible! And, and at that age too, was did you expect that in a way? Were you in that mindset of like, oh yeah, of course we're going to do well, or were you blown away? Well, and what did you do with it? Uh, I, I think that um, I was too naive to know. Um, how far I really was from success. <laughs> you, you know, I just thought, and I think like, like everybody, when they learn a new skill or, you know, it's kind of like that teenager mentality for anybody who has kids that are listening and has teenagers, you know, that they kind of feel like, you know, they can do anything, that there's no fear, that they're just, you know, it's just who they are. 
Um, a lot of startup entrepreneurs feel the same way. They don't know what they don't know yet. Um, and so, so for me, I thought, you know, I was king of the world. Nothing was going to take me down and, and life was great. And we had several million dollars that were committed to us. And uh, then the dot-com crash happened in 2000. I'm sitting in the boardroom. I just finished signing a lease for a larger office space. I've got my team around me. Uh, the the cap, uh, venture capitalist walked in, and I could just tell as soon as I looked on his face, this isn't going to be good. Oh, no. And he said, hey, you've seen what's going on in the markets. I just wanted to come here and tell you in person that uh, we can't fund your deal. We have no more money. It's, it's all dried up. And I'm like, are it's you gone. kidding me right now? And um, so uh, we, uh, we sat there as a team. And that day, uh, literally, we, we ran out of money that day. We were budgeted that tight. And we ended up having a close-up shop. And wow. So just, I mean, just as fast in that climate, you closed up. Yeah. What, what, what did you do? I mean, we, we could talk about what it's like to, to fail <laughs> a ton. I, I think we both have probably as many stories about failure, if not more than success, uh, <laughs> in, you know, in a, in a good way. Cause it, to me, that's what it takes, right? It takes being willing to fail hard to succeed hard. Yeah. What did you, did, how did you respond to that? Did, like, and how long did it take, if at all, to, or if there was any length of time at all to bounce back and to kind of, okay, here's what's next. Were you like the immediate guy or did you have a period of time when you're like, crap, well, that's my life. You're like, you know, there that went. So I, I did what every normal 20 something year old kid does, you know, in that situation. And I took off to Disney world. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so my I, company's debunked. I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I just needed to get out of my space. I needed to change my environment because I was it, just being in my environment. I was stressed. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't think, um, which is the reason why. So I just got back from a week and a half in the Cayman Islands, and you know, I, I meet with a lot of entrepreneurs that refuse to take vacations, but. The, the thing is, is when you go away on vacation, you, it's like you can clear your head, you can clear your mind, and you start to see opportunities differently. And so now, uh, this is actually my first day back at, um, from vacation, and already I've got this uh, renewed energy, and I've got a whole notebook full of ideas, and I'm super excited. And the same thing happened after my business, uh, you know, back in the day when, when, that, when that failed. I took off to Disney World and I'm talking to my uh, my girlfriend, now wife, and I'm like, all right, what do we got to do? And we have this philosophy that you got to play the best hand with the cards that you've dealt, you've been dealt. And so, you know, I'm looking at the people around me. You know, what can I learn from the people around me? Where, what opportunities exist from the people around me and start there. And my dad uh, I mentioned he was in real estate. He also owned a bunch of different properties and um, uh, he's a hard money lender and the whole deal. That's what he's he's doing at the time. And I came home and I said, you know, I think I want to get in real estate. Uh, my dad was going to negotiate a piece of property. I asked if I could sit down on the negotiations. And my dad said to this guy, look, here's the deal. Uh, I'm willing to sell you this property. And um, 
uh, you don't have to go to the bank because I'll finance a certain portion of this property and then, uh, and, and I'll be your bank. And so the guy says, all right, that sounds great. I'll tell you what, let me think about it. I'll get back to you tonight. Meanwhile, on the drive home, I asked my dad, hey, you know, uh, if anybody else was to give you that deal, would you accept it? And he goes, first one to the table, um, you know, with a pen in hand is, is going to win the deal. And so I said, done. I'll do the same deal that he's going to do. And my dad actually said no uh, huh. because he said he did not want to mix family with business. Yep. And um, then he realized that I was so pigheaded and so persistent in wanting that deal that he realized that uh, if he didn't at least give me a shot, that that was going to cause more harm in the relationship. And sure enough, that guy called back and said, I want the deal. And I'm, I'm in the other room and I'm listening to my dad on the phone. And he says, something's just come up. I'm going to have to give, give you a call later. And I had to spend the next several days convincing my father that I had what it takes. Wow. And I, I went to an, uh, we both went to an attorney and the deal was that I had to deal with my attorney, not would deal with his attorney, not my father. That, so I signed out all rights and whatnot that my dad was no longer, um, you know, an interested party. It was my attorney. If I failed to make payments, my attorney would foreclose and my dad had nothing to do with it. Um, looking, looking back at that, do you, do you, do you think that's a great advice? Like, would you give that to another father, son duo to be able to distance each person and say, listen, we're going to do this deal. The deal is the deal. The business is the business. And if either one, you know, whatever happens, it's, that's the consequence. It's already set up before it's not, we never want to put ourselves in a position to decide to hurt the other person. Uh, even if it's just natural consequences, do you like that idea of distancing or did it not work out or? Well, here's earlier. We talked about people make decisions because of inspiration or desperation. Right. And so what happens is, is if, if you're still in a relatively comfort zone, if you have a relationship with your with your kids and you want to support your kids, but things are comfortable and they know that eh, if I don't make the payment, it's okay because mom and dad are going to have my back. Um, you tend not to be, um, what's, there's, there's always that safety net. So you, you, you won't actually accomplish as much with a safety net as if you completely burned the bridge. And so while my dad, I don't think actually recognized what he was doing at the time by actually ripping away the safety net by burning the bridge, I had no choice, but to, to take the Island. And cause I was scared and, you know, I, uh, I put myself under a lot of stress. I ended up in the emergency room. My organs were shutting down the whole deal. I, I literally was told by the doctor that I was dying, my organs are shutting down on the whole deal because of the amount of stress that I put myself under. I was in over a million dollars in debt. And the only strategy I knew at the time was hard work. (laughs) And that was a great strategy if if everything else is lined up. Yeah, and and the thing is, because that's how I learned, you know, my dad, it was hard work. And, you know, while I learned about entrepreneurship at a high level, there's nothing like, being there and doing it yourself. And there's you, like, no, there's no amount of courses or books or whatever that can, that can prepare you for every event that happens. Um, but it, it, again, it kind of comes down to 
I'll tell you, I, I created this multi-million dollar real estate development company. And I built roads and neighborhoods and the whole deal. You know what experience I had in doing that, Matt? Probably not as much as I would think. I bought a book at Barnes and Noble and I was <laughs> sitting in the middle of the development with a book trying to figure out what I do next. Dude, I mean, just goes to show kids, like, you know, you, you don't need to be the most experienced. You just got to have the book on it and you got to be, but you got to be in the middle. You, I love that you just said that. I was sitting in the middle of the development with a book. You weren't sitting at home with the book, right? You were out there looking for your next step. And gotta, the thing is, if I attribute you know, my success and that of my clients to anything. It's not about a hack. It's not about a funnel. It's not about really a strategy or anything. The most important thing by far and away is action. That's why you can look at somebody and be like, you know, oh my God, you know, how the heck has this guy made millions of dollars? He can't even put two words, two coherent words together. How did he do it? And you look back at it, he probably, you know, I've met, I met this guy. I actually have a person in mind. <laughs> we'll he, we'll he leave like, it anonymous. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it anonymous. He's all frumpy and tracks in a track suit. Like, uh, he, he looked like he was high all the time. I, I, I believe he like failed out of, out of high school or something like that. But the thing is, is he took action and he consistently took action. Just boom, 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 boom. And action speaks so much harder. I've met, I met guys. How many times, if you think about it, have you read about the person who was number one in their high school class or number one graduating class in college that turned off to be the number one most successful person in the, in the school years later? Like, that, Not as often, right? No. It's usually the guy like Richard Branson that you know was a C and D student, but busted his ass trying to prove something and just continue to take action. And those are the guys who take it further. And then you know, like in, in the real estate development business, I took action, I grabbed my book, I'm reading what I could from the book, but when I didn't know enough and I knew that there were holes, so I started to understand what I didn't know, then I reached out to other people. And I'm like, who would you, what would you do in this situation? How would you handle this? How'd, and it was a collective environment of all these minds that were willing to donate some of their time to me that allowed me to, to get where I needed to be. Wow. But so taking action first and then filling in the gaps with knowledge, wisdom, counsel, and everything else, there's just something to that. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of people that, that stall and, and wait and, and try to do it perfectly. And while you're waiting to do it, someone else is doing it imperfectly and succeeding. Um, so sound advice, uh, Charles, that's really good. Can I, as we're kind of coming into the twilight of our time together, I want to jump into a little bit of, um, of what you've been doing too with the Predictable Profits uh, playbook and some of, some of the work you do. So we talked about, I love the structure. If I, can, and if I can't share this, then well, so what? Um, <laughs> some, some of the structure that you know, we talk about where rather than just, at least you were doing this at a certain time, rather than just saying, hey, pay me to coach, a lot of times there's gonna be like a consultancy where you're doing a more high level consultant and you're maybe taking an equity share or a profit share. You're really being part of the results. Could you speak a little bit to deciding on that kind of a model versus your other model where it's like, Hey, pay me and you'll get, you know, six hours of coaching. Correct me if I'm wrong in that or clarify, but I I love, that's what I love your mindset and what you do because it shows how committed you are to the result. And, but it also forces your client to be committed as well. 
So are you doing that? And I may have said it inaccurately, so set me straight and tell me why. <laughs> well, I actually, I have no like sort of McDonald's templated way in which people work with me. It's it, We've worked with people a variety of different ways. There are still people that, and we have most of our clients actually come in for coaching, right? So we have a coaching type of relationship and then we have performance-based relationships and the whole deal. Um, uh, you know, but at, at the end of the day, uh, even with our coaching, we insist that we have skin in the game. And uh, when people work with me, there is some level of, of guarantee. Um, you know, but, you know, I'm trying to... So give me an example of that, just so we know what we're talking about. So there's the direct model, which is, here's my fee, it's this much money, and you'll get this many hours or this many products from me. And it's kind of, that's that. And whatever they do with it, they do with it. What's an example of a skin in the game like you were just talking about? Uh, so there was a uh, particular company that we were looking at. They had a, a massive amount of opportunity, but all they were doing was generating their revenue <laughs> online. Whoa. Oh, is it, maybe that's them. Yeah. That them email yeah. us. <laughs> Hey, um, we got another sale. Yeah. Ding, ding. Uh, you know, but all they were doing was they were generating their revenue online. And so uh, I said, what about a sales team? And the gentleman said, well, you know, I just don't really have the, uh, the time or the bandwidth. I don't know anything about managing a sales team. So I said, what if I fund, hire, train, and manage a sales team, install them in your company, and I get a percentage of whatever they bring in? And mm -hmm. he said, oh, that sounds like a deal. And so you know, I did that and I got a percentage or another company that we're working with right now. Um, it was just a massive, massive opportunity that I could see in their business that they weren't taking advantage of. And so I called them up and I said, look, uh, let me ask you a question. If I could develop a strategy that would bring you in more leads and sales, would you, would you give me a percentage of every sale that comes in the door? And, you know, and and that's that. And I, you know, I don't understand why anybody would really say no to the deal. Um, right. You're saying, can I get a percentage of all of the bonus extra revenue that I bring in that you never would have had in the first place? No, no, I, I want to have lower revenue. I want, <laughs> I want 100% of zero, not 80% or whatever it is of, you know, the new amount. Yeah. And, you know, and so that's what we did. And that's the thing too. Like when you understand and uh, Matt, I know you know this because you're an entrepreneurial wizard yourself. But when you understand uh, business and how to grow a business, like Elon Musk, that he could take PayPal and SpaceX and Tesla and all this other stuff and grow all these different companies, when you understand that, that gives you so much power because you could walk into any situation and you could be like, look, I can help you and this is, this is what we could do. I mean, I remember, this is like such a, a crazy little example, but I was you know, do, heavy doing CrossFit at the time. And I, I bought some protein powder and just being a, a geek that I am, I noticed that they weren't advertising anywhere on Google or Bing or anywhere, their services. It was only SEO. And I'm like, my gosh, they're missing a huge opportunity by not doing any paid advertising. So I reached out to them and I said, look, if I could increase the uh, amount of sales for your company, would you give me a percentage? Now, they were only willing to give me 10%, but the opportunity was so wide, I was willing to take it. Normally, I wouldn't take it for that little. And it literally cost, it cost me in time a half hour, and oh I gosh. made ongoing between two dollars and $3,000 a month, every month for God knows how long. For and half an hour just to tweak something that they couldn't see. Yep. 
What now a concept. Guys, tweak the invisible. That's the entrepreneur motto. Charles, we gotta we gotta get running, but may make sure make sure guys you follow Charles. You follow him. Now you have not only do you have an awesome best-selling book, The Predictable Profits Playbook. You can get that uh, where you get books. You can, I'm sure you can get it on Amazon and at your website at predictableprofits.com. Make sure you follow Charles at Facebook at Predictable Profits or LinkedIn at Charles Godet, G-A-U-D-E-T. We'll have that all, of course, on the show notes page. Um, but last thing, too, I also want to plug. I'm really excited that you know you you have a podcast coming out. Tell me a little bit about kind of what you're doing with the podcast. Um, I know you have some great interviews out. What uh, is, I, I'm excited to, to work with you on the podcast. I'm excited to get into some of those archive episodes. Tell me, how did you come up with the idea for a podcast? Um, and what's, the, what, what's, what's it about? Awesome, buddy. Well, you know, kind of the theme, I guess, of what we've been talking about today is that, you know, one plus one equals three. And there's a plethora of, uh, untapped knowledge that everybody has. And so that's ultimately what we're doing is we're reaching out to some of the smartest people that I know, uh, yourself included, right? And interviewing them to kind of pull out that that wisdom and um, find different ways in which you know, they can contribute to, to everybody else's life, bottom line, and so forth. It's It's been really, really exciting. We've had some some pretty extraordinary guests and a lot of the insights. I mean, I leave every single podcast interview with pages of notes. So it's just, it's just cool stuff. Cool so stuff. It all, it, I do that a lot with mine. The, the more and more awesome guests like yourself I'm getting, uh, the more I'm taking notes for me. And it's just such a cool thing. So make sure you follow his podcast. You can search for Charles Godet uh, on iTunes and anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, and you can follow and, and grab his podcast as well. And remember, predictableprofits.com for the Predictable Profits Playbook. Charles, my friend, Charlie, thank you for coming on the show, man. It's been awesome knowing you and I'm uh, looking forward to growing old together. <laughs> Absolutely, my man. It's been, been a pleasure. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for listening on the show. Uh, I'm super stoked on that. Remember, follow Charles. He is such a, a wealth of wisdom and just a genuinely good dude to know. Uh, so thanks again to Charles for coming on the show. Guys, have an awesome week. Get out there as usual and crush it. Do something great. Start a new business. Add a new arm to it automate something. Just get out there and be the best you you can be for you and your clients. Have an awesome weekend. I'll talk to you in a few days.